What makes Brigham Young University or BYU different or unique? How do pre-medical students do at BYU? Today on Talking Admissions and Med Student Life, I speak with Dr. David Kaiser, pre-medical advisor at BYU. Helping you prepare for one of the most rewarding careers in the world. This is Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with your host, the Dean of Admissions at the University of Utah School of Medicine, Dr. Benjamin Chan. So welcome to another edition of Talking Admissions and Med Student Life. Got a great guest today. I'm with Dr. Kaiser down here at Brigham Young University, Provo. So uh, Dr. Kaiser, thanks for coming on the podcast. My pleasure. Glad to see you. Fantastic. All right. So let's talk about pre-medical advising. Um, let's start off with the very basics. Uh, what kind of services do your office does your office provide? Uh, we obviously advising for, for all types of health professional students, including pre-med students, uh, helping them from having an interest in, in searching different health professions to making a decision that if medicine is right for them, making sure they're meeting prerequisite courses, facilitating the rest of the, the things they need in their applications as far as, as research opportunities, uh, shadowing, community service. Uh, while we don't arrange those specifically, we give them uh, insights as to where they may be able to, to arrange those things and, and to, to strengthen their applications to those types of activities. We have an editor here in the office that will help with their personal statements. Uh, we do collect letters of recommendation here if they if they opt to do it that way, and so we will uh, collect the letters and send them off to the, the the application service. We also teach a number of courses through student development. So we have a uh, introduction to health professions, preview to medicine, uh, uh, medical ethics course that's taught by a physician. We have a application course for the for the medical and dental students this the winter before they apply. Uh, those are no, obviously not prerequisite courses, but we have those courses available so that if we they want to take advantage of that, they're getting some some additional insights and helps relative to their preparation and just knowledge about mm-hmm. healthcare and the professions generally. Let's talk about those classes. Uh, what are the differences between them, and when are they usually offered? And when do you okay. recommend people taking them? Okay. Uh, our first one is called Student Development. Uh, 170 Introduction to Health Professions. We really have that designed as a 100 level course for freshmen. It's offered both, or not, it's actually offered fall, winter, and as a full overlap during spring and summer. Um, and that's just, as the name implies, an introduction to health professions. Uh, each week is a different health profession practitioner or representative from a professional school, a dean of admissions from a, from a, from a So that's the one I come and teach at. No, that's, a, guess, diff- that's, okay. a, that's that a different, different one. one. Okay. I'm a guest lecturer intermittently for you. Yes. So, okay. Yes. But that, this one is actually for introduction to health professions. And so we don't focus on any profession. We don't focus on medicine. But it's, it's, it's designed to give them a broad overview of lots of different health professions. A lot of co- folks come to BYU and think, ah, oh, pre-med. Mm-hmm. And then they, they may take chemistry or OCHEM. And they go, well, maybe it's not medicine. So what else is it? And, or they, they don't realize the, the difference of what – a physician assistant might do versus a physical therapist or a podiatrist and so mm-hmm. on and so forth, and that there's a lot of options in healthcare. So we, we try to expose them to, to a number of things. Even the student that comes and says, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a doctor since I was in sixth grade, and they know that's what their goal is. We still think that's a really good course for them to take because as a physician, they're going to be a leader of a healthcare team. Correct. And to have that understanding of the background, scope of practice, uh, capabilities of the PA, of the PT, of the pharmacist, of the, the optometrist, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, is going to make them a better leader of that healthcare team and, and meshing all those entities and individuals to provide the best care mm-hmm. for their patients. So so even if they're really sure that this is what they want to do from from 
from even before they get here at BYU, we think that class is worthwhile because it's going to help them be more effective in their role, whatever that might be in, in healthcare. So this sounds like a great introductory class. And so yes. what, what, what comes next? What's, it sounds like there's almost like a track. And then, and then yeah. from there we go to – and we have a number of, of 200-level courses that we call preview. Mm-hmm. And that's the one you come to, preview in medicine. Okay. And we have some for some other health professions as well, dentistry, PA, optometry, et cetera. Um, and that class, very similar structure, but now it's all focused on one profession. Okay. And, so, and the difference is within the profession. Right. Okay. Great. So within so that so for example, preview to medicine, the one that you're most familiar with, when you come every semester, which we greatly appreciate. Um, <laughs> I like the little gift bag you always give. Me. Oh, yeah. we well, we got to make it worthwhile with that when you're driving over the point of the mountain to come down and visit us. So um, that class is is focused on medicine, and so I will talk to him about medical school applications, the the process generally, uh, just things they need to be thinking about. So a lot of the, the student. Really focus more toward freshmen, sophomore students. Uh, anybody can take it. We won't say, you know, if you're a senior, you can't take this class. But, but we want them to, to hopefully start early so that they know that I need to be working on some shadowing or I need mm-hmm. to be doing volunteer community service types of activities, et cetera, et cetera. So they're getting that, that overview early in terms of what the expectations are so they're not coming in their junior year and go, holy cannoli, what do I, I got to do all this stuff and so I can prepare to be able to apply this year. Mm-hmm. Hopefully if we've, we've, we've minimized that stress, not eliminated, but minimized it somewhat, lessened it somewhat by doing it. Then a, a significant portion of the class, and we, we spent a week talking about the MCAT, and of course with the changes in the, in the new MCAT next year, that's been a more focused discussion in the recent past. Uh, but then a, a, a significant portion of the class is, is guest lectures. Mm-hmm. So uh, we usually have a, a, you as a dean of admissions from an allopathic school. Uh, we typically have a dean of admissions from an osteopathic school. And then the rest of the semester, physicians of various specialties. Obviously, we can't cover all the specialties, mm-hmm. but we wanted them to understand that there are significant differences in terms of medicine. Medicine. And it's much different being uh, an OBGYN versus a psychiatrist, uh, an orthopedic surgeon versus a family practice doctor, whatever. Mm-hmm. So they, like I said, we can't cover all of them, but we give them some exposure to at least some of the things that are out there. The other thing that it's not just about the very specialties, the, the guest lecturers that come in, what we do is try to incorporate folks that are going to give them some other things besides uh, just I'm a – ER doc mm-hmm. about things about life balance, mm-hmm. things about some of the things from their journey. Um, the the individual I saved for the very last week of the semester um, is a normal maxillofacial surgeon, but he is also uh, used to be a bishop. Now he's a member of state presidency, but he talks about the at least from our perspective and is the important things in, in life balance and family and, mm-hmm. and church and medicine and and all those things and it's it's a really great experience for the kids yeah. so they, they're getting a great exposure to medicine and it's hopefully it's reinforcing this is what they want to do i've had some students say oh you know i figured out this probably not for me and mm-hmm. that's okay yeah that's okay that's better to find out now than exactly. few years from it's, now. it's, it's yeah. not it, that's not the intent to say we're trying to steer you away from medicine mm-hmm. but we want to have them to have to make an educated informed decision and to have people who are in that profession have the doctors have the, the representative from medical schools and then talking about the, the the whole process and what it's all about we think it's very important for them to have that exper- experience and exposure early to, to reinforce, yeah, this is awesome. This is what I want to do, or mm-hmm. mm, this maybe isn't for me, and that's yeah. okay too. Yeah, so. very true. And so, is there any class after previews, or is that kind of the end? Or um, then we have we, we actually do we have an internship. It's called a health professions internship. Oh, cool. And so students and we 
they have to apply for that because we've got a lot more students interested than what we've got spots, particularly for our pre-med students. And it's not just pre-med. We have – we they, it's, it's what I call it is shadowing on steroids. Mm-hmm. So they, they'll have two – Ex, uh, experiences during the course of a semester. So they might be with, for the, for the pre-med students, they might be with a family practice doc for, for half the semester and then they're at the urgent care clinic for the other half. Or they might be at the county health department for, for half the semester and then with uh, one of the orthopedic surgeon groups for half the semester. And so they're getting some exposure to a couple different physicians, different types of practices. Um, but it's, it's not just going and shadowing because it's an academic class or getting credit. So there are some expectations in terms of some evaluations from both sides. They, they, they evaluate the preceptors. They're getting evaluated by the, by the, the host site. Uh, there's some, some other academic work associated. But mostly it's just a chance to get them out in the field. And it's not going to be enough to, mm-hmm. to satisfy the shadowing expectations of the respective professions. And like I said, we do optometry, podiatry, PA, et cetera, in addition to medicine. Um, but it gives, it gives them some exposure uh, and it helps facilitate that, that that this is, again, reinforcing this is what I want to do. So we have that course. As I mentioned, we have a, uh, a medical ethics course. It's taught by a physician. Uh, that, that, uh, he teaches that uh, in fall and winter only. Mm-hmm. Uh, the preview classes are taught fall and winter only as well. Um, and then uh, we have the application course, which is taught in winter semester only with the idea of getting students ready for that cycle opening mm-hmm. up that June. Wow. So, Dr. Kaiser, it sounds like there's a lot of opportunities, you know, to get to, like, learn about the medical field, learn about the application process, to, and actually receive credit here at BYU. Correct. Oh, that's awesome. So, so I mean, I, I, we've kind of talked about it before, but, you know, we've, you kind of made reference to it uh, earlier, but there's so many people interested in becoming physicians that attend this institution. Why do you think that is? Where is that coming from? Well, all you have to do is, is, is look at our – Freshman applications and, and, and uh, freshman acceptances. Mm-hmm. For example, for this fall, our incoming class has an average GPA of 3.8, uh, 29 on the ACT. Impressive. We have – and they've, they've, they're well-rounded folks. Mm-hmm. They have been very involved in their high school activities – whether extracurricular things, whether that's athletics, whether that's debate, whether that's student government, uh, fine arts, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So these are not just smart kids. They're well-rounded smart kids. And, and they, they want to accomplish big things in their life. And it doesn't have to be medicine, but a lot of them come with that, that mindset. So very ambitious, very driven, very career-oriented in many ways. Correct. Okay. And, 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 and medicine is a, is a, it's a natural choice for many of them, not for all of them, for many of them, just like some are thinking engineering or some are thinking uh, law or whatever that might be. But it's, they're, they're, they're fairly focused in that. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, a number of our students serve LDS missions mm-hmm. and whether they are thinking medicine before that or after that, and many of them come back, either reinforce that that's what they want to do or they start thinking about medicine or healthcare generally because they've, they've served people for two years. Yeah. And that's, that's been rewarding for them. Mm-hmm. They enjoyed it and they've seen that what it, and they've felt what it's like to make a per- difference in a person's life. Mm-hmm. And so my opinion, I think that's some of the reason why that we have the number of students that we do gravitating towards medicine and healthcare is because they, they, they're in this service mindset. Yeah. They, they want to give back. They want to help people. Plus, as we said, our group that has, uh, that's to, simply to be admitted to our institution, they're pretty bright mm-hmm. to start with. So it's not like you know, someone else say, man, I really wish I could go to medical school, but I'm, you know, I just don't – I got a 2.9. That's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So I mean, these kids are pretty bright. Mm-hmm. And 
and and then they've done the other things in their life that reinforces that they and I want to be in healthcare. Mm-hmm. I want to I want to be a, a, a physician, mm-hmm. um, and they've done the things that are preparatory yeah. to being a good applicant into medical school. I like what you said, Doctor Kaiser, because in my own life, you know, that rings true. Because I served an LDS mission back in the day in France. And I remember, you know, before I went on my mission, I wanted to be a lawyer. So I took a lot of political science classes, pre-law type of classes. And then on your mission, you do kind of, you do help out people directly, and it's awesome. And you start to have that 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 mindset because, like, you know, you're very focused on your mission. But then towards the end of your mission, you start focusing on other stuff, like what I'm going to do for the rest of life, or I'm going to go to school, things like that. And so I do remember that mindset shifting. And I think the second thing is, and maybe we can talk about this a little bit, is that I think on your mission, you kind of like, you're just around with a lot of missionaries, and they kind of do silly things every once in a while, meaning getting injured or eating something they shouldn't eat or they just do silly things like that. And so I remember it's not uncommon, especially from my mission, where, you know, you make trips to the hospital, you know, and things like that, or your companion breaks his leg because he jumped off, you know, his bike or he tried to buy a skateboard, which are banned now, you know, stuff like that. So I think there's a lot of experience both helping people and with the healthcare system, with whatever country you happen to serve. I, I think yeah. that's another mm-hmm. important factor, too. My, my oldest son served his mission in Uruguay. Mm-hmm. I have a son right now who's serving in Brazil. And besides all the missionary experiences and, and helping people, they're seeing a whole other aspect of healthcare that they have never seen in their life. Very true. And, and it's like things they took for granted when they were growing up, they go, oh, this isn't like how most of the mm-hmm. world lives. Mm-hmm. And they go, yeah, that would be awesome to be a, a part of those types of things. I mean, mm-hmm. again, my oldest son in Uruguay, he had major, because he was mostly walking, he had major ingrown nail problems and foot problems, whatever, and he was scared to death to go to a doctor in Uruguay because he was afraid they were going to cut his toes off. <laughs> now, I'm not, I don't yeah. think that would have happened, mm-hmm. but he wasn't going to take a chance. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't going to come home early, so he just sucked it up and dealt with it. Mm-hmm. And then when he got home, it's like, wow, now I'm with real doctors and I can get this taken care of. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's not... Maybe it's so much in France, but certainly in, in a lot of those third world countries where we have a lot of missionaries serving, they're seeing a different side of healthcare than they've ever experienced in mm-hmm. their life. And it's like, wow, you know, that would be not only do I want to help people, but that'd be awesome to be in a system where <laughs> there's the resources mm-hmm. and the technology to be able to really help people the way I would like to yeah. be helpful, what I, what I was used to growing up. Yeah, so. Very true. Well, we can probably do a whole separate podcast, swapping missionary stories. <laughs> um, let's switch. Let's just gears. So, Dr. Kaiser, how do your students do? I mean, where, where do BYU graduates end up in terms of medical school? Where, where are kind of the top like All over the country. Okay. And again, because we are the, uh, uh, a private school mm-hmm. and getting students with incredibly affordable tuition. <laughs> uh, you think? Compared to other <laughs> private schools, yes. Uh, um, and so we, and, and as we said, we, well, actually, we are, they call it, it's the, the official term is the capture rate, but it's the number of students that apply to an institution, or excuse me, that they get accepted to an institution that show up. We, or Harvard has been ranked as the most popular school in the United States based upon that capture rate for like the last six years running. Um, and so, For undergrad or medical school? No, for undergrad. Okay. For undergrad. Yeah. Students who apply to BYU, if they get accepted, they come. Okay. And, and one is because it's a great school. Two, mm-hmm. because as you already said, it's pretty inexpensive tuition. Mm-hmm. And, and But it's, like I said, either the number one ranked most popular school based upon that statistic is either BYU or Harvard for the last six mm-hmm. years running. So... Um, 
So, Dr. So, Kaiser, so you're we, going on this podcast saying got, Harvard and BYU are equivalent. Is, are you going on no, record? No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> Harvard's got some work to do. That's what I'm <laughs> All right. That's what I would hear. Because of those six years running, I think we were number one four years okay. and, and second twice. That's why I like, I like bold statements on my podcast. All right. Awesome. Okay. So you were uh, saying about med school. So anyway, yeah. so what my point was that – I mean, we got so excited right now. I remember no. what my point was. No, what my point was that we're getting students from all over the country. Both as a private institution and, and, and that really popular institution for LDS kids from, from and, and non LDS kids from all over the country. So, those a lot of those kids aren't really looking at the University of Utah. They're because they're from California. So, which there's a whole bunch of medical schools in California in the UC system, or they they're from Texas and Texas got a bunch of medical schools and tuition there is relatively cheap. Mm-hmm. So, so we have that stu- our our students are looking at medical schools literally all over the across the country now. Uh, the school that we have most students go to is the University of Utah because mm-hmm. we do have a large uh, population from the Intermountain states, not just Utah, but from, from other Intermountain states as well. So the U is, is close for them. Um, even if they're from Tennessee, they've been at BYU. They like being in Utah. They like being in Utah. Mm-hmm. They, they're, they're somewhat established here. It's like I can go to medical school and it's only 40 miles away instead of going to New York mm-hmm. <laughs> or whatever. So so th- that that's where – uh, the, is where our, our highest number of students goes to the University of Utah. Other schools that we see a lot of students go to, um, Ohio State, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, uh, even though it's a public institution, uh, they give consideration, a lot of consideration to, to out-of-state students. Uh, I mentioned Texas. We have a lot of students go down there simply because of cost factor. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of students go to California because there's a lot of BYU undergrads who come from California. So, again, they're going back to their home state. Medical College of Wisconsin. Medical yes. College of yeah. Wisconsin. University of Washington mm-hmm. uh, because of the WAMI program, which uh, the, the – Alaska, Montana, Wyoming, Idaho, which don't have a medical school, University of Washington will consider them as for an, for an in-state residency uh, as far as tuition purposes. They have to have make a commitment to go back and practice in those relative states. So we have a lot of students go to Washington because of the mm-hmm. WAMI program. I've seen more more BYU students also get into Florida schools too. So like um, like the Florida International, like like yeah, some of those the yeah, newer medical not, schools. not so much UF and, and Florida State, but. Yeah. UCSF, uh, University of Central Florida, uh-huh. uh, when that school was started, they actually they made a deal with the legislature. It's a public institution, but they could they could accept up to a third of their students were out of state students mm. because they did a huge amount of fundraising. Yeah, uh, interesting. Actually, and so they actually, their first year they gave everybody a full their first year class, everybody got a full year or a full tuition scholarship. So the, the, the legislature is willing to work with them a little bit in terms of mm-hmm. out-of-state students and in-state. And, of course, then there's some of the other uh, stu- uh, schools we have a lot of st- uh, that are, are more popular for our students are, are the private schools, Miami mm-hmm. and, then, and then also uh, Nova Southeastern, which is a, an osteopathic school. Mm-hmm. We do have a number of students who go to the osteopathic schools. Uh, AT still, Midwestern are both real popular schools. Um, Oh, the other the other allopathic school we have never go to is USIS, Uniformed Services University Health mm-hmm. Sciences, the, the the nation's military medical school. Mm-hmm. We we have a lot of students that uh, again that that kind of idea of service and patriotism. Mm-hmm. The the military is attractive to them mm-hmm. if they like that lifestyle. It's a great deal financially. Yeah, <laughs> either either USIS or the or the health professional scholarship. So we do have a number of students that that. Uh, in fact, I was there earlier this spring and I didn't realize that's how they were meeting with them. Uh, we are the number three feeder school for uses. Yeah. When I, I did my residency in Washington, D.C., so I was living in northern Virginia, and one of my roommates at the time, he went to uses uh, for medical school, 
and then he did his family practice residency in the Air Force. Mm-hmm. And I would tease him every morning because he would wake up, put on the blue uniform, and then his white lab coat. <laughs> I would say, his name is Dave. Dave, you're unstoppable. You have double uniform. There's not a single woman you know, that would ever say no to you. you know, <laughs> we would just laugh. So, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Well, great. It sounds like POU students get in all across the country. They do. Yeah. Um, you know, let's switch gears, Dr. Kaiser. We have a few minutes left. What is the number one question you get over and over? As a pre-medical advisor, and what's your response to that? Is it is it the MCAT 2015? What are what are students asking you about right now? Um, well, right now, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's because it's the beginning of June. Is what do I need to do to to get myself ready for this application cycle? So that may not be a fair question or, or, or a most important question in terms of a, of a podcast. Generally speaking, students are concerned about. Admissions, mm-hmm. they know it's a very competitive process. So they're and and pre med students as, as a whole tend to be fairly uh, type A competitive <laughs> themselves. Competitive, yeah. Uh, maybe a little high strung, which is okay. I'm not, I'm not. I don't mean that critically, but they're they're overachievers, and that's 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 not a bad thing. That's a good thing. And so they're they they're doing everything they can uh, in terms of of wanting to be. The best prepared. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of questions we get simply because the size of our community and the number of pre med students that we have, along with UVU, which is growing and growing and growing, mm-hmm. is shadowing. Mm-hmm. Uh, shadowing is a big concern in trying to get shadowing opportunities, and uh, especially with the the uh, the healthcare providers, not so much the the physicians themselves, but the IHCs, the the Mountain Stars, etc. Putting some roadblocks in terms yeah. of, of some hoops that they have to jump through before they can start doing some shadowing. They want students to be certified or have HIPAA training yeah. or go through, jump through these hoops. Or, yeah. or that the institution is providing liability insurance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so that, that's, that's a concern for them. Um, certainly MCAT 15 is, has been a, has been a, as we get closer and closer to that, that's been, that's been a, a question and been a concern for some folks. Yeah. What, what are some tips for you for the MCAT 2015? Cause let, let me tell you the questions I get a lot. Like Dr. Chan, should I take, this year, like the like in twenty fourteen, which is the nineteen ninety one version, or should right. I wait till next year? That is probably the question I get the most. How do you answer that, Doctor Kaiser? I tell them to take it when they're best prepared. Okay. Okay. Now, if I was anywhere close to being prepared to take the current version, I'm taking the current version mm-hmm. <laughs> because obviously there's additional content area with biochemistry. Psychology, sociology, sociology, behavioral yeah. sciences, ethics, et cetera, et cetera. On the other hand, somebody to take it so I don't have to take that, and if I'm not prepared, isn't going to help me because one, I'm going to, have to retake it, and then I'm probably going to retake a different version. So I get to take not only two MCATs, I'm taking two different MCATs. That doesn't mm-hmm. make any sense to me. So take it when I'm. I what I tell the students take it is when you're best prepared. If if you're if you can get that in in this in this cycle, awesome. If not, that's okay too. Mm-hmm. You just you you you. Move forward and you prepare, and, and this is not, as you well know, the last test they're going to be taking. So sometimes it's like, oh man, that MCAT. It's like it's like the end all, mm-hmm. and no, it's not because if you're going to medical school, guess what? You get to take licensing exams, mm-hmm. <laughs> and 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 you're gonna be and you're going through another application process to go to residency. So like, this is just one more step in the process, mm-hmm. and so it's like, don't don't stress over it. And while the MCAT is important, and no one would suggest that it's not important mm-hmm. it's a piece of the puzzle yeah it's a, it's a factor it's, among many and it's yeah. not necessarily the most important piece of, it depends on which school some schools obviously put more weight on others but it's it simply is a piece of the puzzle and we I mean three years ago we had two kids scored over a 40 on the MCAT one didn't get accepted so 
no matter how and that's I mean that's way awesome. Mm-hmm. But either he he didn't have enough shadowing or some some other things that he did or didn't do well. I mean, a whole variety of things can happen, mm-hmm. and and so it's it's important. Mm-hmm. And, but it particularly, and, and you folks have been the leaders in this, as more and more schools put more and more emphasis on the holistic review, the, the metrics never go away. Mm-hmm. The GPAs and the MCAT scores are always going to be there. But more emphasis is, is really shifted to the non-cognitives, which I think is great, mm-hmm. both as, a, as a, an advisor, but frankly, as a p- patient. Yeah. <laughs> I want somebody who's, who is a good healthcare provider who can communicate with me, who cares about me, not that just they're the smartest guy in the block and so that's why they got to medical school, but they have no people skills. Yeah. And so I think that's I think it's great. And as I said, you guys are a leader in that. Um and that's that's important. So the MCAT, the GPA never go away, but that's and that's frankly helpful for us for me and as advisor to say, you need to make sure you're doing all this other stuff because you can control that. Mm-hmm. You, you, you're the only one that gets to decide how many hours of shadowing you're going to have or how many hours of community service you're going to have. And not just the, but the quality of it because it is the more so the quality, not just the quantity. You and I can both go do 50 hours of shadowing. You do 50 hours of shadowing. You do three different physicians. You're there. You're engaged. You're talking to staff. You're interacting with the doc. You're getting a great experience. I go and I'm checking my my Facebook and I'm mm-hmm. texting and I'm there, but I'm not really there. Yeah. So the 50 hours is, is significantly different. So, but whoever the applicant has complete control over that and how much, how the quantity and the quality of the experience they have. Same thing with their community service, their leadership. Whereas I may study and study and study and okay, I'm just not going to work. Yeah. <laughs> and I can, I can do everything I can and I can get to, and I can do everything I can to try and, and, and facilitate doing the best in an in organic chemistry class or doing well on the MCAT relative to that, but not everybody's going to knock a home run on yeah. that test. I, I like what you said, Dr. Kaiser, about holistic review. I mean, we look at each applicant as a whole person, and I think you're absolutely correct. The MCAT, the GPA, is important. It's a piece of the puzzle, but there are other things going on. I think the best analogy, and you kind of Brent mentioned this at the beginning of the podcast, is BYU as itself. You, know, like you have so many students applying to this school. There's very high ACT, SATs, GPAs. BYU itself, especially as a private institution, practices holistic review. They look, they look at what applicants do during their high school days, community service, leadership. It's not too different than what we look at as a, as a med school admission committee. You know, there's a little bit more with physician shadowing and things like that. Certainly. But the same principles apply. Absolutely. Like, like BYU, no private institution, even Harvard, the Ivy League, Stanford – they are not looking just at test scores. It would be easy to fill up BYU and those places with perfect SATs, ACTs, perfect 4.0s, but they want other types of qualities. You know, they want those people Correct. who are going to volunteer, they give back to the community, are going to be leaders in the classroom and help teach their fellow students. And it's not, and that's exactly the same principle that medical schools apply that apply with with the holistic review. So. I, I thought that was a good discussion. That was a good segue. So, yeah. all right, we got a couple minutes left, Dr. Kaiser. I always like to kind of talk about some personal stuff. I'm looking around your room. <laughs> this is this uh, has got to be number one, uh, the messiest office you've oh, ever no, seen. I, uh, number two, I've the been, most eclectic office. I've been much. So let's. Look, like, I'm going to have you repeat on this podcast. So let's start. So, so I'm seeing a lot of football paraphernalia. Like, did you play on the football team? No. Okay. 
My background before I became a health professional advisor was I was the director of the athletic training sports medicine program. Okay. That's actually both my undergraduate and master's degree are in athletic training. Mm-hmm. My doctor is a little different because they didn't have doctoral programs back then in, in, in my discipline. My doctor is higher education administration. But I spent 25 years in athletic medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, I played basketball at junior college level, but – I'm a short white guy. That's as far as I was going. <laughs> but it looks like I, yeah. I was. I loved it, uh-huh. but I also knew reality. It's like uh-huh. mm, um, you're you're short, you're white, you're slow, and I had pretty good hops before I blew out my ACL, but it still wasn't good enough. So I, right. I played junior college, but that was mm-hmm. it. So I was a student trainer for the football team here at BYU. Okay, uh, I was able to went to, with them when the one year back when we went to the Holiday Bowl and cool. Uh, what year was that? That was 83. All right. I went to the University of Florida for grad school in 84, which is the year they won the national championship. Oh. Bombs. It was after I left. They did that. <laughs> so, so, no, I, but I've, I've had some great experience in athletics. Uh, uh-huh. Like I said, it was, as a student, I was able to go to the Holiday Bowl. Uh, I was on medical team, medical staff for the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually saw it. I sat in front of people that paid $1,000 for their ticket for the uh, – was that, you, was that ice skating? Because yeah. I know that was really popular. No, it was it was it was hockey. Oh, it was I, hockey. I was here okay. at the peaks at, at Pro, which is the the hockey venue. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and for a lot of the, that was that was a really cool experience actually. Because there's some like Kazakhstan came mm-hmm. Kazakhstan. I don't know. I, I'm not mispronouncing that either way. Um, you know, these it was our women's team, and they were they were awesome. Man, they showed up with stuff that looks like. It got discarded from a junior high hockey team, and it was it was ragged, nasty looking mm-hmm. stuff. But these were the nicest women, just mm-hmm. awesome people, and, and their support staff. But they had no idea about healthcare mm-hmm. and medicine, so we were able to help them quite a bit, oh, and that cool. was really awesome. You know, and then then the, the U.S. team. I mean, they they had their physicians, they had their trainers, they had their physical therapists, they had massage therapists, mm-hmm. they had all their own people. So I just had to sit at the end of the bench and. Had the best seat in the house. Wow! <laughs> it was, but, which I did. I I was on the end of the bench at the, at the, with the women's hockey team, U.S. hockey team, playing China. Um, I was I was actually the we had different stations, um, and so there was a couple times I was in the in the medical unit the, where when the Russian team came in and Sergei Fedorov and uh, um, now I just lost his name, but they had played for the. Uh, uh, Detroit Red Wings, mm-hmm. which their head athletic trainer had been one of my students because mm-hmm. I was in, I was at Central Michigan University for twelve years in charge of their sports medicine program, and so they were just like treating me like their old best buddy. I mean, here is Sergey Fedorov, one of the greatest mm. hockey players in the world, Russian, led us to you know gold medal Russian hockey team, and he's because because we had this connection between an athletic trainer. He's just like we were just best buds, and mm-hmm. it was so that was fun. Um, you know, I've been to been able to to. To travel out with some other other uh, sports teams and things, so and it, so it sounds like if anyone's interested in medical school or becoming a professional trainer for a sports team, should come in and talk to you. I can do that too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Doctor Kaiser. They just, if they just want to talk about sports and mm-hmm. Spurs beating the Heat, that's awesome too. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Doctor Kaiser. I'm looking forward to having you back on. All right. Thank you, Dr. Chan. Thanks for listening to Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with Dr. Benjamin Chan, the ultimate resource to help you on your journey to and through medical school. A production of the Scope Health Sciences Radio, online at thescoperadio.com.